Blog Talk Radio. Radio 470 AM. It is game day, people. Welcome to the most talked about game in the state of Texas. I'm already sweating like a whore in church. We're going to play fast. We're going to take what we can get, gentlemen. Do you understand me? Let's show them what we got. You Kid can move. Come on, baby! This is not just some game. You realize that. This is about tradition. It's about the spirit and keeping this town alive. That's football. That's all we got. It's going down tonight! Everybody in this damn town is telling me how to do my job. What they do need to do is they need to win. This town makes these kids into idols. I need you to leave. Can you do that for me? Okay. Welcome in, everybody, to Radio the, 470 AM. It is game day, people. A high school blitz with Jim Baxter from SCVarsity.com. We're talking tonight about, uh, ordinarily, I do the chat on Twitter with the hashtag uh, AskSCVarsity. Tonight, we decided to go live because there's a lot to talk about uh, in terms of uh, the eight-quarter rule and the demise that we've had um, with the JV programs, the freshman programs uh, have all been um, seeing numbers drop and some of those programs are being cut by the schools. And I'm going to bring in uh, some friends to, to, just, to discuss this. And on hold right now is Richie Altman from the, let's see if I can get him up here. Richie, are you there? Richie, are you there? Yes, sir. Jim, how you doing, boss? Oh, fine. I couldn't. Have, something, something going on with the switchboard here, and I'm and I'm without a producer tonight, so it's uh, it's a little bit difficult to to take calls because I got some calls coming in and and um, try to do the board myself. But uh, anyway, how you doing? Good, man. Getting ready. Friday night lights, uh, less than 24 hours away. Uh, we got got some big wins here. Uh, at Somerville, uh, our B team won their first game of the year. Uh, they went and played the JV squad over at Bishop England tonight. Uh, that was a big win. That's the first one of their, uh, this year for them. So great job for the coaches and the players. And then, uh, you know, our, I'm not sure the final, but our JV squad actually went to West Ashley and uh, remains undefeated uh, as they're trying to finish off a perfect season with uh, one to go next week. Well, we got we actually have a varsity game tonight. I was talking to uh, Coach Rusty Sharpie from Brooklyn Casey earlier about some of the things that we've been discussing this week. And he, he was actually uh, telling me that airport, you know, their rival was actually playing Aiken tonight on a Thursday night. Not sure why they moved their game to Thursday night. Um, I think some of the school districts are out tomorrow, out of school tomorrow, and the state fair is in town. So 
Could be that that was the reason they did a Thursday night game instead of a Friday night. Could be that uh, Coach Kurt Burnett just wanted a three-day weekend. So, not sure what's going on there. But, um, I, you know, we, we were talking about uh, on your show um, earlier this week uh, about the demise of, of high school football. We touched on it last week and, and how the abolishment of the eight-quarter rule has, has hurt the, the uh, participation numbers in South Carolina, the impact that it's had on the sub-varsity programs. And um, I actually uh, did a made a couple of phone calls, talked to some other coaches from from other states. I've actually got uh, Matt Quinn, who is um, from South Carolina. He coaches at Westwood now, but he coached at uh, North Carolina for the last couple of years. And he's going to call in talk about North Carolina's rule uh, that they have. It's pretty interesting. And um, and then I've got uh, Coach Ken Cribb uh, from Wayne County, Georgia, is going to call in and talk about uh, about their rule down there. Ken Cribb, of course, uh, last stop in South Carolina, a longtime South Carolina coach, was at Bluffton, and a uh, great guy. So looking forward to having both those guys on. And I'm trying to get Rip Flippo from Alabama on to talk about theirs. So there's, you know, I want to talk to these guys about what it is they're doing to try to save uh, their programs down there, their sub-varsity programs, and compromise on this safety issue. And, and, and all three of the uh, – um, things that they do, all three of the, the manners in which they address their uh, multiple quarter players is pretty interesting. But uh, not sure if you've had any feedback on, on our discussions on your show from the low country, but uh, have you heard anything, Any anybody talking about it? Yeah, you know, there's definitely some concerns on the numbers of, uh, of amount of kids that are coming out. I mean, when you look at uh, – you, you mentioned uh, earlier with me on, on Southern Sports Central how – you know, you look at a, a, a Burns team playing a, another powerhouse team, and they're they're sitting there with less than 50 players. I know Stockton up there in Myrtle Beach is, you know, struggling to do what they can do, and they've got an interim coach sitting in the position there, and, and they're sitting at 30, you know, 35 kids. And when you've got 11 kids on offense, 11 kids on defense, that doesn't give you a lot of turnaround time, not to mention you got special teams. Uh, there's definitely a concern there. So we, de- we we definitely scratched the surface, if you will, earlier this week. So I'm excited to hear the guys that you have coming in from other states. What are they doing? And how can we do something different? Because something has to change, or we're not going to see high school football, as we know high school football here, that's been a really big, nice tradition for many years on a Friday night. Yeah, I you know, I talked to um, the uh, – we talked about this on the halftime show on 107.5 – the game this week in Columbia and uh, it got a lot of good discussion on it and had um, actually uh, I were, I was not off the air 10, 15 minutes before Jerome Singleton, the executive director of the South Carolina high school league gave me a call and uh, to discuss some of the things that, that I had said on the show. And, um, you know, we talked about this a great deal and, uh, you know, he, he is, I got the impression from talking to Jerome that the, this eight quarter rule that we had is never coming back. I mean, it's going to be uh, near impossible to get it back that the, you know, the national federation of high school sports is, is against the, the, the multiple um, quarter rules and um, allowing these kids to play that much because of the amount of exposure for the potential of injury. And, um, and they're talking about head injury um, because it is a, it is a, a sport that you get RHI repetitive head impact in. Um, but when I was talking to him, I said, so you're telling me there's no way, I mean, with the membership, you know, my, my understanding has always been that the membership 
can decide what they want and what they don't want to do. That the, the high school league is there to enforce uh, the rules and, and articles, if you will, that, that are passed by the membership. And so my understanding is, is that to get this rule back or to get any kind of change, it would have to be brought up uh, at the legislative assembly uh, of the, of the uh, athletic directors and administrators uh, conference when they meet in, in April. Um, and it, it would have to be something that was brought up and then brought to a vote and for it to, to pass, because it would have to be voted as, a, as an amendment to the, to the Constitution for the South Carolina High School League. And it would take a two-thirds vote. Now, I'm not sure who the delegates are that do the voting. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, how many of those delegates are on, you know, the high school league's side or, or Jerome Singleton's side or their view of this uh, safety issue and how many are not. You know, how many would actually listen to the, you know, to the administrators, if, if, you know, when they present um, alternatives to this uh, abolishment of the rule. But at any rate, it sounds like it's going to be very difficult to get done. And, uh, you know, the only thing we can do is just keep, you know, just keep fighting for it, keep scrapping, doing what we're doing, trying to get, you know, some alternatives, uh, you know, seeing what the other states are doing and, and try to get this thing done that way. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something that's got to happen here. I mean, we're policing certain things. And, you know, it's funny. People talk about football as it being a contact sport. I have this conversation with multiple coaches here in the low country all the way up to the Grand Strand. And and it's it's kind of um, misleading. This is a more of a collision sport. So I don't mind them being safe and doing things that are safer than, you know, what we may have done in the past. I know we used to have this, this one – uh, thing we did called bull in the ring, where basically you'd have a guy sitting in there, and he was kind of a sitting duck, man. You'd call two or three numbers out, and you'd chop your feet, and you get popped uh, there at practice. But there's a lot of truth to that, because here's the thing. If you're making a collision during the, practice, during the game, shouldn't you practice that type of collision during, during practice? So we've really softened up these practices, which now you're seeing these kids get hurt more, I believe, than they were when we were growing up playing the game, because they're not practicing like they play the game. And they're always telling you, you know, you should practice the way you're going to play. And if you let up, that's when you get hurt. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. You see guys wearing shells more now than ever. I mean, when I played gym, it was Monday through Wednesday, you wore full pads and Thursdays with shells because you'd watch a little bit of, you know, some film or something, but it was a little bit of a walkthrough, if you will. So uh, we're just not treating it the same. I think there's certain things they're doing right, but there's a lot of questions that why are we doing it in certain ways that we are, and we're making it a softer sport. And that's where kids are getting hurt more. Yeah, it, it is. And, and, you know, we've seen that. I, you know, one of, one of the questions that I had for um, Jerome Singleton, and, and we, we talked about this, was if, if this is truly a safety issue, if, if that's what we're discussing, if that's the, the reason, the, the real reason that this thing was abolished, then why, why was it that the other sports that we see the, the head injuries in um, that we see concussions in um, soccer, lacrosse, wrestling. Why, why are there no restrictions on the number of, of uh, periods or quarters that, that those kids can play in those sports in a week's time? And his answer to me was, was that when this thing was looked at by the national federation, they were focused on football. They didn't, they didn't even look at these other sports and didn't look at the data. But if you look at the data, which I did, 
you know, it, it, there's a high injury of concussions in girls' soccer. In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine today that's girls been playing. She's a senior and getting ready to go to Columbia College on scholarship. And she's only been playing soccer for four years. She's already had two concussions. And oh, wow. um, so in female soccer. Um, but, you know, he just said that it wasn't, wasn't focused on. And so that was not, you know, some of the guidelines that they, that they recommended. Uh, they, they were strictly focusing on football. And then, you know, um, he's, you know, it's a sports medicine council for South Carolina looked at this and it's comprised of, uh, of some sports medicine physicians and, and all, none of which, my point then was none of those, none of these people that we're talking about are experts um, in the CTE realm. And that's what this scare was about. It was about the CTE. Yes, we know concussions is a real thing. We know that you know, uh, post-concussion syndrome is a real thing, but the CTE scare was, was what I was talking about. And so far, none of the people that, that they have making these decisions are experts. You know, they need, when are they going to bring in a neuropathologist to talk to them? But, uh, any, at any rate, uh, it, I think it's going to be something that's very difficult for us to, to try to get done. And, uh, I, I just, it's, it saddens me because, I hate to see the the diminishing numbers in high school football like we have right now. Yeah, you know, the one thing, if you're able to somehow get in uh, with this Alabama coach, I I did see on social media there's a doctor, I want to say outside maybe of Tuscaloosa, that has this machine that when they get these concussions, Jim, they send them to the sidelines, and they basically put these uh, little things on their heads, and they they run these tests on them immediately right there on the sideline, and that kind of – you know, it does away with the certain, I guess, antics that they're doing now to kind of tell whether they have a concussion or not. It gives kind of a more of a medical right-of-way answer to this. I mean, again, I'm all about being safer. I'm all about doing it the right way. I just don't know how much, if we're making it this soft during practice, how much is it affecting these kids during the game? You see it there with dehydration all the time. I mean, there's there's a lot of issues that, I, that here in the state of South Carolina, I think they're focusing on certain things that, that quite frankly, uh, they don't need to as much as some of the other things that they're kind of looking away from. And, and at the process of this, you're starting to see high school sports, you know, kind of becoming the thing of the past, not only with the numbers coming out, but the talent that's coming out of these high schools as well. I mean, you mentioned on the show with me this week, you know, South Carolina last year had, what, five offers, Gamecocks. This year they're looking at three offers. I mean, that's, that's unheard of because one thing that we were really big on all the way up to Stephon Gilmore and Jadavian Clowney, Marcus Lattimore, we named a few of those guys that came out of the state of South Carolina, is that we, per capita, we're putting kids in the NFL. And right now, we're struggling to keep them in our own local college. Well, it is. And I'm, I'm uh, actually got uh, Coach Ken Cribb that's coming in on online right now. Uh, coach Cribb, longtime coach, great guy, friend of mine, um, Last coach, last coaching stop in South Carolina was at Bluffton High School. He's down at Wayne County in Georgia right now. And, uh, Coach, have I got you on the line? Yes, sir. How you doing this afternoon, Jim? Doing great. It's good to hear from you. I got to talk with you a little bit earlier, and it's uh, great to catch up with you. But uh, we're, we're in discussion. I've got Richie Altman from, uh, uh, on the line with me. We're, we're, we've been discussing the eight-quarter rule abolishment in South Carolina, which I, I believe you were still here. Was that your last year in South Carolina when that – when they did away with that rule? It was. In 2015? Yeah. yeah. So so now you're at Wayne County in Georgia, and I wanted to – Georgia has a little bit uh, a different take on the way they do their multiple quarter quarter players. Um, explain to us what you guys do down there 
and how how well you think it works for you? Uh, well, it's, it's working great. I'll be honest with you, because uh, we have uh, it starts on a Friday, so the the week starts over on Friday, and if we have a say my backup quarterback, he doesn't play on Friday, and I replace two quarters. He's got six quarters to play. Whatever he doesn't play on Friday, he can play the following Thursday. So uh, we have a kid who plays in two quarters on Friday night. He's got four quarters left on next Thursday. Um, whether you kicker or your backup quarterback or, or any of your kids, you got a kid on special teams and he plays. He plays on Friday nights. Get give some of your main guys a break on special teams. He can. You know, if, as long as he plays in one one snap per quarter, that's what counts. And uh, okay. it, it works really well. So you got six total quarters. So you get so you have an opportunity uh, for these kids to to get their junior varsity time in. Talk about the importance of that, coach, with the with the development of these younger players and what you've seen over the years. Uh, how important it is to take kids that. You know, maybe even some kids that don't come out until their sophomore, junior year for football. How important those sub varsity programs are for the development of these players? I don't. I don't think a kid can really get prepared for it without it. To be honest with you, for I give you an example. We have a we have a kid on in our program who is now a junior, but he's a really good long snapper. He played. He snapped on Friday nights for us, and but he got his time at linebacker in on our in our JV games. And um, we were earlier in the season, we were in a game, we had an injury to one of our players. But uh, Gray Davis had been playing every Thursday night at linebacker, but yet he snapped on Friday nights. Um, a lot of times he didn't get but two quarters in on Thursday, but he got time on the field. And we were we had an injury in the Appling County game, and so Gray got his opportunity. He went out and he led, led the team in tackles, and he was prepared. If he hadn't been getting time, on the field and game experience, he would never have been close to being ready. Yeah, and I think that, and I think that's what what some of these people that that are supporting um, not allowing these kids to play don't understand is the importance of the development of these kids at, at that stage. And and I I think a lot of them just think that we're gonna we're gonna dress these kids on Thursday and Friday night and play them in both games. Arbitrarily, and and that's not the case. Most of these kids are there for backups to fill out the roster if there's injuries or a blowout, and uh, they're they're not. You know, there's. I know that there were some coaches that abused the rule. I know that there were coaches that, you know, dressed out some of their impact players from Friday night on Thursday nights because for some reason they care about winning JV games, but that's 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 the exception. That's not the norm, and uh, I just think that it's it's important for the development of the players. But more than that, right now, not having the ability to do it at all in South Carolina is strangling this sport. And we see it in the diminishing numbers. Uh, we're only four years out. And we've got programs like Westside High School uh, up in the upstate that went from 160 players to about 80 players now in their program. Um, you know, we've, got, we've got schools like River Bluff, who's one of the largest schools in the state, that their their freshman team is having to play JV teams because they can't get enough freshman games because everybody's canceling their freshman programs, and you know I think that you you're really seeing the impact only four years out. I can only imagine what what's going to look like in four more years. Yeah, you, you're exactly right, and I'll tell you, you know the best positions to talk about is, for example, a quarterback. 
you know, you know, you, you got a kid who's the tenth grader is going to be a good quarterback, but he needs to be practicing with the varsity. He's your backup guy. Um, if your starting quarterback goes down, he's got to be ready. But but we're going to penalize him and not let him play any JV games and get game experience because he's got to be on that sideline on Friday night so some, in case something goes wrong with your starter. And, uh, it's just not it's just not developing that kid to to watch all year. And you practice all year long, but you don't get to play. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of teams are competitive every Friday night. You don't have situations where you can get them in the game. Uh, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. That is tough. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on. Tell me about your football team. How are you guys doing? Well, we're, we're excited. I, it's my third year. We we um we won the region championship uh last two years. Uh, so we uh we only lost one game last year. We we lost to eventual Bainbridge, who won the state championship, and uh we had five turnovers or none. We graduated. We got thirty six guys gone from last year's team. But uh, young kids waiting their turn. We're we're five and one, and uh, we play South Effingham tomorrow on the road. So uh, if we can if we can get a victory tomorrow night, uh, we'll be playing Ware County for the region championship last game that's of the season. So uh, that's outstanding. Well, that sounds that sounds like your teams. I mean, you you you've had a lot of success. You're a good football coach, and your kids that that, that play under you um, mm-hmm. seem to do very well as as well. So. Um, Coach, I appreciate you joining us tonight. Well, We're going to have a couple of guys from other states telling us what they're doing. And, uh, Jim, I appreciate and I, it. And I, I tell you, I miss my friends back in South Carolina now. I spent 30 years coaching there, and, you know, it just started over. Uh, but uh miss, miss my friends, miss, miss the camaraderie with those coaches, and uh, appreciate the job you do for high school football. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate hey, coach, it, Coach. I got a question for you. Okay. Coach, there's Richie Altman here. Uh, I, Jim, I appreciate uh, you letting me jump in here with him. Just a quick question. I've seen this, too. Um, I graduated from Socrates back in 1997, uh, and I still keep in touch. I do the radio broadcast, Boys of Somerville High School here, where uh, Coach McKissick was at, now Coach Call's here. Um, and then I do some radio stuff with Jim. We you know, kind of keep everybody up to date with, uh, I think, one of the most electrifying sport out here is high school football on Friday night. But I've seen a very high number of high school coaches retiring in North Carolina and, um, and coming to South Carolina. Uh, you see that at Dutch Fork. Uh, the former coach at uh, Sockasey uh, was a guy that did that. I believe Chad Greer also possibly could have retri- retired in North Carolina and come into South Carolina. That seems to be kind of a new trend with a lot of coaches retiring in one state, coming to another state. Can, can you talk a little bit about that and, and where this is kind of starting to get some legs and, and, and becoming a popular thing now with you guys? Well, I'll tell you, that's exactly what I did. It, it's, it's incredible. It's a great opportunity for your family. Um, I, you know, I retired in, after 29 and a half years in South Carolina. When I accepted this job, I've, I'm in my third year. If I can hold out for seven more years, I, I'll be invested in Georgia. I'll draw a second retirement. At the same time, I'm turning 62. So hopefully I, I can draw Social Security, uh, South Carolina retirement, Georgia retirement. And then I can, uh, you know, right off into the sunset. <laughs> Just uh, be able to be able to buy all the, the cups of coffee that I want. But it, it is popular, <laughs> and it's a great thing. So I tell you, I'm very fortunate. And and I, and I, I, you know, there's great pockets of football in South Carolina, Georgia. Um, it's, a, it's a little, I don't know, it's a little more football oriented, I'd say, just because of the six quarter rule and the padded camps we do 
Um, it's, it's so competitive across most of the whole state. It's, it's a really good football. But, uh, yeah, it's a great opportunity. If you got a chance to do that, I tell you, it's, it's hard not to. Hard not to. Well, Coach, again, I appreciate you coming on. appreciate your time. And best of luck to you uh, for the rest of the season down there. Get that region championship. And we'd love to have you on uh, uh, later in the uh, season um, if, you, if you're willing to come on again as a guest. Absolutely. Love to. Love to. All right, Coach. Thank you. Thank you again. Yeah. Hey, go get All right, that's uh, Coach Ken Cribb uh, from Wayne County, uh, Georgia. Uh, Richie, he's a great guy. I don't know if you had a chance to meet him, but uh, Coach Cribb, uh, coach long time here in South Carolina and um, was down at Bluffton um, and, and really built that program down there, took him to a state championship. And then uh, he left back in 2015. Uh Got his retirement in here and, and headed down to Georgia, and like you see, like you heard him say, he's he's working on another retirement down there. Yeah, is it? Did he also, uh, Jim? Did he coach in Georgetown? Is that the same crib that was there, in Georgetown I for think, a little while? No, that's that's actually Ken Crib down in that area is still Ken down crib. there. I think he's at, I think he's at Johnsonville. Okay, um, okay. I knew the crib uh, was a pretty popular name in the coaching carousel. Yeah, he's. I think he's at Johnsonville now, and. Um, but you know he he made some good points. I like uh, I like that um, the fact that you know we can get these guys on here to explain what they're doing. The six quarter rule that they've got down there sounds really cool. Um, yeah. You know, that you've got it wouldn't work. I, I mean, obviously, if we get anything back, any kind of compromise, there's going to have to be a change in something else because one of the rules that we have now is that the kids there has there has to be three full days. Uh, between competitions, which is again, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to get these guys in here, Jim, to to have that that opportunity to kind of break it down. And, and I think that's one of the things that you look at. You listen to a lot of local radio. You can only break down scores and and really get into the X's and O's that so much. And it's not as much the X's and O's that that people really want to hear anymore. It's the the, the mindset of a coach. And and when I know uh, on on the shows that I get on and, and I do in the morning, it, it's that's kind of what I'm getting that feedback on. Like I said this uh, this morning even and yesterday afternoon, the, the calls I got from having you on and some of the things that you're able to bring in, uh, you know, it's huge. But to get a Joe Call come in or even Coach McKissick when he was, you know, a little bit more able to get in here with me, you know, or Scott Durham down at Andrews is able to jump in here, the knowledge that these coaches bring in, it, it, it's really the mindset. It, it's very interesting for these guys to – kind of peel back an onion, kind of tell the way they do things. Even Chad Greer comes in with a different state of mind. And, you know, it's got to be neat for these coaches to go from state to state. They see different things. And like he said, it's a different culture in Georgia than it is in South Carolina than I imagine it would be in North Carolina. Yeah, it is. And, and um, you know, I talk, I've got actually Matt Quinn's supposed to be giving us a call. Matt Quinn, of course, coaching over at Westwood High School now. But Matt has spent uh, the last uh, few years up in North Carolina as a head coach up there. And um, he was, I was talking to him earlier about what they do um, in North Carolina. And it's actually, it's actually a, a pretty interesting rule. It's not, it's not quite like um, coach Cribb was talking about what they do in Georgia, but uh, it, it's actually a really interesting um, way they do it. But uh, I'm going to tell you what, Richie, we're going to take about a 30, uh, 30 second break here um, to get one of our sponsors in. And um, we'll be back in 30 seconds to get some more callers on the line. 
It's calling your taste buds. You know that delicious-looking landmark, that chocolate-dipped cone in the sky located in Triangle City, West Columbia. Under it, the legendary Zesto, where folks have come from miles around the last six decades to enjoy the absolute best Zesto burgers, sandwiches, homemade slaw dogs, and hot fudge sundaes. All fast and fresh and friendly. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. till 11 p.m. It's calling your taste. That's why they call me. All right, we're coming back to the South Carolina High School Blitz show. Uh, Jim Baxter, along with uh, Richie Altman, uh, joining us tonight. And right now, I've got a very special, very special guest uh, coming on, uh, Coach Zach Willis. A lot of people in South Carolina remember Zach. Zach uh, is a longtime coach of South Carolina, coached, of course, a lot of success at Newberry College and stops as a head coach at Pikeville College in Kentucky and has uh, been on staff at Michigan State University. And a good friend of mine, Zach, you there? Uh, yeah, I sure am. All right. Good to have you on, Coach. How you been? Man, I'm doing good. I'm sitting here watching my Yankees get handled again by Houston and uh, really <laughs> interested in what you guys were talking about on uh, on here about the state of affairs in high school football. Concerning. It is concerning. And, I, you know, it's interesting. I wanted to get your take on this because you have been you, – you've been a, a collegiate coach. And I wanted to talk to you about um, how important you feel this rule is for South Carolina, like I mentioned with Coach Cribb, in the development of our players. Because, you know, we've got a lot of kids uh, in South Carolina. You, you, look, you go back to 2010, 2011, and look at the number of in-state offers that the big schools in South Carolina made. And it was incredible numbers. Um, you look at yeah. uh, what we got in the 20, uh, 2020 class and, um, I think South Carolina's got five in-state offers on the table. Next year's only three. Uh, you know, it, wow. it, you can see you can see that it's impacting not just the development of the players on the high school level and, and and the high school programs, but it's also affecting the the college programs in the state as well because they're not able to recruit in-state as well because of the caliber of the talent. Oh, I don't think there's any question. You know, I. I, I want to say a quick shout-out to Coach Cribb from his South Carolina days because he sent me some great players and uh, helped us be really successful at, at Newberry and, and when I was at South Carolina, you know. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I I have noticed, and it was really interesting, you and I obviously have kept up through the years no matter where I've been. Uh, we've been, been always been in contact with each other, as have a lot of folks from South Carolina. And the one thing I'll say is this, is I had noticed that without doing any statistical analysis, which is kind of my thing in coaching and recruitment, when, you know, you made a statement about this the other day, I said this makes perfect sense because you're not seeing the – look at the draft, the NFL draft. South Carolina used to lead uh, the entire state on number of athletes per capita that were drafted from a state. 
and that's per capita because we're a small state, of course. But, I mean, it's a massive, massive change. And here's the thing. 2010, you know, look at the national landscape in recruiting and the amount of attention it's paid versus back then. So it makes it even more egregious because the ability to be noticed is so much easier now. It's hard to hide in recruiting anymore. There's so many services. There's so many bowl games. There's so many camps, so many different avenues for kids to get noticed. And for our numbers to be declining in, in the Palmetto State, is an even bigger indictment given this day and age when coverage is, is, is just infinitely multiplied. You know, so many different ways to search and find great athletes, and for us not to have them is really an indictment against the developmental process of what's going on in this rule. You know, I knew something was up. I didn't know what. When you told me the eight-quarter rule was, was gone, I was like, holy cow, that's a massive, massive disadvantage the kids in the Palmetto State. Coach, I think Richie's got a question for you. Okay. Hey, Coach. For, Coach, I appreciate you hanging out with us tonight on a uh, free Friday Night Lights uh, show here. And uh, thanks for all that you have done, you uh, continue to do for uh, all these athletes, the hours that you've already given, and looking forward to uh, the many more you get uh, to give. I'm, a, I'm the broadcast guy, the play-by-play over at Somerville High School uh, with uh, oh, yeah. Joe Call there, Coach uh, Coach McKissick, uh, the legendary coach, I was there with him as well. Um, and we got Coach Spivey. Now, Coach Spivey was the former quarterback there from Conway. Now he's our offensive coordinator. Um, he comes in with a lot of intensity. Uh, and you, you see that with some coaches, but you don't see it the way they did. I'm 41. So when I played coach, you know, the, the coach that probably spit on me the most, uh, you know, probably taught me the most. Well, now you can't do that to kids. You can't say certain things to them. And the culture of some of these kids, not the coaches, but the kids coming in, it's got to be kind of frustrating for you guys to see it, especially at the high school level, when when these guys are taught, you know, hey, you got to teach them to be men. You know, we're here to teach them the lessons of life, and we're not able to do that, or you guys aren't able to do that as much as they were able to back in the day. Can you talk a little bit about how you've had to kind of go a little bit different? And Dabo Sweeney, I think, has done a great job of, of kind of folding in, and, and he even said in an interview this week, you know, you got to know when to hug them and, and you got to know when to when, when to shove them, type of thing. Uh, yeah, talk a little bit yeah. about the culture change, Coach. Oh, uh, excellent question. Honestly, right now, um, I, I, I was a guy that was a, on the Division One level, known for my ability to recruit and develop talent, or at least recognize the talent in the raw. And then, you know, on a small college level, and Jim can tell you, you know. Uh, turning around in Newberry College, winning two championships there, and they'd never won one in over 100 years of football. We won two in in three years at one point. Um, we did that by recruiting the state of South Carolina primarily and developing kids into players and getting some great kids. In Somerville, we had Alex Haynes, Bryant Blant, and Corey Smalls. At one time, uh, we won one, one title and went deep in the national playoffs with a fully – Somerville backfield. Our stars were Corey Smalls and Alex Haynes. Um, and the one reason we love Somerville High School, I had a tremendous relationship with your entire coaching staff. Joe had just finished the Citadel. He was roommates with uh, Mozzie Drummond, who played for me for a little while at the Citadel. So I have a ton of ties uh, to the Green Wave. And the one thing that you knew was those kids had been coached hard. Pinky Gerard. I mean, you name it, Steve Wilson, those cats would get after their rear ends. And 
we had a pipeline, so to speak, because our coaching style was very similar. Um, you know, and uh, Todd Knight, who's now Newberry's head coach, was my primary coach down there. But I remember driving through a snowstorm to go get Alex Haynes. Uh, you know, it, when, when the, what I see is this: the reason I'm I'm not actively in, I'm more in the sports media than I am coaching, is because of the approach they take now. I'm an old school guy. I'm, I'm 51, but I coach more like I'm uh, maybe 71. And, uh, you know, I was not a hands-on as far as physically grabbing a kid, but I would rip their rear end. And, you know, uh, we had to, I had a Dabo Swinney approaching. Here's the thing you got to understand. The two things that probably are in most in danger on the college campus is the political stance of most of the faculty. Now, I'm going to be blunt here. I hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm not coaching anymore, and I'm not going to hold anything back. You know, the, the conservative nature of states like South Carolina, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, the SEC states are characterized by a couple of things, and one of them's, you know, a very old-school approach to football. State Alabama still is able to handle that. But if your leadership turns to a more liberal tone, it's going to cater to a certain type of player and approach to the game, and it's going to be hard to win. If you look at Dabo, he is a throwback coach. He's a modern-day Bobby Bowden. You know, he, he, he has the values that, that recruits love to hear about, that the real parents who have the great players. And, you know, you can have a talented player who's not tough, you're not going to win. You can have a tough player who's not real talented, you're going to win. Dabo finds the talented players who are tough and he dominates. It's what Saban does at Alabama, very hands-on, very in-your-face coach. And Dabo combines that with being an outspoken Christian. Uh, people respect that in the southeast. But, but you know, if you get an administrator who is, is hostile to the FCAs and the other approaches we take that are constitutional, not breaking rules, they just don't like it, they have to take a more-than-hands-off approach. And I think it's going to devastate college football, high school football. And here's why. It's not just a product on the field. I mean, I think we'd all agree. Our fundamentals have deteriorated over the years because of less and less opportunities and less intensity on the practice field. But here's what Coach Lou Holtz used to say to me, and I heard him say it to teams for, uh, when I worked for him. What are you going to do when you come home, you just lost your job, all the bills are past due, and your wife run off with a traveling salesman. He used the old school term of a drummer, but a drummer was a traveling salesman. What are you going to do? How are we? Are we teaching these kids how to get through life and be men? I'm afraid not. And I think that goes to the core of what you're saying. John McKissick, as you know, was a no holds barred guy. Pinky Girard, are you kidding me? I mean, that guy was as tough as they come, and a whole lot more that we could name off. Ray Stackley. Uh, all the great ones. They had tons of great ones at Gaffney, all trying to beat, uh, beat Coach McKissick. Uh, but, I mean, Joe, Joe Turbeville. And these are men that mentored me. As I recruited them, they mentored me in, in the way we do things. And I think we've got two coaches in our state, and they showed it Saturday, that are still willing to be tough in your face coaches. And I hope we never lose that. But as a, as a high school coach and a college coach now, you put your, your job on the line when you take that approach. You've got to have administrators 
that will back you up. And I think I know that was a long answer, but man, you hit a nerve with me with that because it's hard to find to be politically correct and coach championship football. To be honest, mm-hmm. well, coach, let me ask you this. I know Jim. I've been turning it back to you, Jim, but. And I think that's the problem in high school football. We're so worried about being politically correct. I mean, isn't that why we play sports is so we can kind of leave the politics out? And it's always been there, right? It's always been – you've seen it in little leagues where, where dads were, were buddying up in the, in the war room, if you will, trying to put kids on all-star teams. But, for me, that's kind yep. of the deal. I mean, Chris McKissick was – you know, he, he was that raw coach, and he even taught the guy over at Fort Dorchester right now, Coach Steve Pratt who is, is that guy. He gets in your face still, doesn't care. Look, if you don't like it, there's a couple of other high schools around you can go find. And I think if we would get more into that and say, look, you, you, this is just the way it is. Here's the concept. Here's the, here's the, the formula. And unfortunately, we're, we're forcing, uh, because of athletic directors, or forcing their coaches to, to go about it a different way. I mean, even in schools now, Coach, you see kids walking around with earbuds in. I found out today if the kids drop an F-bomb in the, in, in the hallway, they don't even have to – they don't even get written up. I mean, they've completely changed standards and cultures, not just on the field, but in the classroom, and then it carries to the field, Coach. Well, I mean, you're, you're – <laughs> you, 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 you hit every button, I believe, in it. Here's the thing. This is a fight for our society, not just our sport, okay? What kind of men are we going to have? I mean – what kind of disservice are we doing to these kids? You know, I think back when I was in Little League football in, in Marlboro County, tiny little McCall, South Carolina, you know, we'd had one guy in 20 years go to college when I left to go to Furman to play ball. But the thing was was that we were taught to play the game the right way. We weren't the most talented. We won more than our fair share of games, but we weren't the most talented group. We got tested in our stance with a three-point stance by a swift kick in the pants. If you fell over a wobble, you weren't balanced, you did it again. It wasn't meant to hurt you. It was just a good way for the coaches that that was the way they were taught. And they were taught by men who came before them, men who, in fact, went through a depression and won World War II for us. So I'd say there was some character there. Uh, you know, and, and I look at our country today, and I say, okay, when I was coaching, you know, and, and you know, Jim can tell you, uh, I've tried to get back in it, and, you know, unless you hit the right spot with the right AD and the right president on the college level, I mean, there's no way I could do what my high school buddies have done. I watched Dean Boyd at Marlboro County. I was out for a year collecting a check from a school I, I left and just taking a year off helping him. I was stunned at what he had to put up with. And that's Marlboro County who's one of the more football-crazy places. But, hey, man, compared to what we had, it was powder puff. Uh, they, they wanted, you know, they are restricting the coaches. And I think you're absolutely right. This is a societal question, you know. And, and what's happening is in South Carolina, you're, you're still dealing in a conservative state, but you're bringing in people from the outside who don't have our values who don't understand what football is all about and the opportunity. Okay, take, you know, you know, I didn't have a dad growing up. He, he was absentee. My granddad had to help me. My coaches were my father figures in many cases, big time. I keep up with my little league coaches. Still to this day, I'm a high school coach. I'm still in constant contact with those guys. And, and the thing is, is that they kick my butt. I mean, flat out. 
to get me to be the best I could be, but I knew they were doing it because they cared about me. They do that stuff today. Forget losing your job. You're probably going to jail. And, and, and you know, I think we've got a, a crisis in our society. Our state's still conservative, and we need to protect our coaches and give them the, the, the sanctuary they need to build these young men into grown men. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that's my thoughts on it. Well, Coach, I, I appreciate you giving us a call and, and join us. And in fact, you can you can hang on and stay in the conversation if you want. I got a few calls that we need to get to. I've got uh, Rip Flippo uh, calling from Alabama. He's going to talk a little bit about what they do. And I got Matt Quinn uh, calling from Westwood. He's going to talk to us about what North Carolina does. And we only got about 14 minutes left on the show, so I'm going to go ahead and and uh, I guess I'm going to bring in uh, Rip uh, from Alabama, and he's going to tell us a little bit about. Uh, what they do in Alabama um, as far as the multi-quarter playing rules. Hey, Rip. Hey, man. How's it going? I'm doing great, Coach. How about you? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I'll tell you what, it's been a long time, and um, I appreciate you giving me a call. I I was just coaching my eighth grade. We're just playing in the championship game here tonight, so it's taken me a little while to get back to you, but I appreciate you having me on. Well, Coach, I, we're we're talking about the, what some of the other states are doing as far as an alternative to what we were doing, which was eight quarters. We were allowing eight quarters uh, in a week to our players. This, that, that rule was abolished in uh, 2015 by the South Carolina High School League. Um, and we're, we're talking to some of the other states to see how they're dealing with it because it's, it's really hurting us in terms of uh, participation numbers and, and our sub-varsity programs. I, well, my understanding in Alabama, you guys have an eight-quarter rule, but you do something different in terms of the night that you play your sub-varsity games. Well, we do. Um, you know, we play, you know, our varsity games are on Friday. Our middle school plays on um, Thursday night, and then they play freshman and JV games on Monday night. So, basically, the bottom line is in Alabama um, – you can play in a varsity game on Friday night. You've got to have 48 hours rest here is my understanding. Now, I had to check this um, before I called you. you. You've got to have 48 hours rest in between your games here in Alabama. Okay, so so they can actually dress on Friday night, and if, if they, let's say, if one of your backups plays a quarter, they're still good to play on the JV game on Monday night. That's correct. And, and you can play four quarters a week. Um, so if you play two on a Monday night, you could play two on Friday night. Okay. All right. So, so a player that plays, let's say you've got a player that plays the whole game four quarters on Monday night. Is he restricted, uh, so that he can't participate on Friday night? Uh, not to my knowledge now. Cause my, know, under, my know, understanding was they could, yeah, my understanding was they could play on Friday on Monday night and still dress for Friday night because they've got that that uh, time in. See, in South Carolina um, right now, even without the eight-quarter rule, there has to be three full days between competitions. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And, I, and that's the way it is in Tennessee. Also, Jim, I, I spent three years up there. But I spent most of my career in Alabama. Um, but here in Alabama, it's 48 hours. Okay. 
All right, Coach. Well, we're we're uh, tight on time, and I've got uh, Coach Matt Quinn on hold. He's going to talk to us about North Carolina, but I appreciate you calling in. We want to get all of the information we can on what the states surrounding us are doing, and uh, I appreciate you calling in, and, and would love to have you back on the show sometime. Jim, don't be a stranger, brother. I love to be on the radio. Give me a call sometime. I love it. Appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Coach. Let's go rip, rip, flip, a rip, and I go back a ways. Uh, when when I was doing the QB1 um, competitions and, and training camps, he actually brought his son up from Alabama, and I got to meet him then, and he's actually a quarterback coach as well. But uh, we're going to bring in Matt Quinn. Now, Matt Quinn, uh, of course, is head coach over at Westwood High School in Columbia, South Carolina. Matt's a, a product of South Carolina, played his uh, high school ball at Burns, played his college ball at East Carolina, and uh, he spent uh, time on several staffs and South Carolina as an assistant um, and before taking a head coaching job up at um, up in North Carolina. And, of course, he's come back to South Carolina as a head coach of Westwood Red Hawks right now. Coach Quinn, how you doing? I'm doing good, JB. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, man. We're getting some good stuff uh, from, uh, from these coaches. We talked to Ken Cribb earlier. He told us a little bit about what Georgia's doing, and I think you heard Rip Flippo talking about Alabama. Why don't you right. – uh, Tell the, tell the people that are listening, tell us, enlighten us on what North Carolina is doing and how that rule works. So so North Carolina, when I was up there, you know, two years, we had a what they called an eight-quarter rule. But you get to designate five players in a schedule year that you're going to have as your eight-quarter players. Um, I chose players in our positions of need. We, we took a, a backup offensive lineman, a backup DB, a backup linebacker to start the year. And they played on JV, and they served as backups for us on varsity. If they were to get into a varsity game, let's say you, you know, you got a blowout one way or the other, they get in in the fourth quarter. That's one quarter, and each week that adds up. So once they get to eight total varsity quarters, then you have to designate that player as a JV player or a varsity only player. Um, and the good thing about it was. You didn't have to say, all right, these are my five at the beginning of the year. I always left two slots open in case, you know, you get to game five, game six, you have somebody get hurt or receiver go down, whatever. You can pull somebody and say, all right, this is my fourth eight-quarter player. Um, he's going to be a backup on varsity, and he's still going to play his JV game. Um, the other good thing that I really, really liked about it was on Friday mornings, they would come in with the athletic training staff. They would take a hydration test. And then they would go through a concussion test. And they would compare that concussion test to their baseline concussion test. If the player wasn't hydrated or the player didn't have um, similar numbers to their baseline concussion test, they weren't going to be able to play that Friday. Um, so it was a very, very safe process. And it gave us a way to have backups at the varsity level from our JV team. Well, that's that. That sounds, you know, the, the unfortunate thing. It sounds like a great rule. The unfortunate thing is that you're limited to only five players. And yeah, um, yeah that. I, it, it, from my understanding, it used to be more um, in North Carolina. It used to have ten, maybe ten or twelve. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, even even at five, it, it gives you some some wiggle room to to have some backups, to have some guys because in in today's society. You know, unfortunately, if you're a sophomore and you're pretty good, you got to have them there just in case something happens. But kids and parents want them to play right now, and they would rather them play on JV. But you got to have them as a backup on varsity. It, it, it puts us in a tough bind as well as coaches. Yeah. 
Well, I I appreciate you coming on, Matt. And we've got we've got three states. Well, really four, because Rip said, Rip was telling us that Tennessee does the same thing Alabama does. So we've got four states right. covered and four different alternatives or three different alternatives that we could look at uh, to try to get something done. But uh, who you guys got this week? We got Ridgeview tomorrow night. Okay, big game. That's a big rival game. Huge game. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be a big. Now one. that now so so the winner of that game. Um, uh, I'm, I'm assuming if you guys win, you you're pretty much going to lock up second place in that region. Uh, you never want to use the term "lock up" because it's high school football and anything uh, can yeah. happen. But yeah, um, yeah we, but we 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 feel seat. we feel Let's like and, and, and yeah 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 driver's seat for second place. Um, you know we we feel like we got a good team, and you know Ridgeview's always got a good team, and they got that that swagger and that mentality and coach Parks does a great job. I'm just, I'm just looking forward to playing, uh, playing against coach Parks and having a good crowd out at the castle tomorrow night. All right. Well, coach, I appreciate you coming on and talking with us and uh, look forward to having you on the show again. Yes, sir. Anytime. Uh, Richie, that was uh, coach uh, Matt Quinn. And I, I'm just rushing through these cause we're, we got, there, there's no way we're going to get to all of our callers in, in six minutes, but uh, I'm going to, Bring in, bring in another caller that's been listening and been holding for a while. And um, hey, you're on the air, this is Jim Baxter. How you doing? Doing great. Yeah, I wanted to know a little bit about Irmo. What you think about Irmo chances moving forward? And um, I know they're a young team and uh, what they um, skill played. Um, you know, Irmo, Irmo's going to be. Uh, They've got you know, they they got a tough game this week. I mean, I think you know they they helped themselves a lot uh, by beating um, by you know by beating Spring Valley in region play. But you know they got Lugolf Elgin this week, who's been playing great defense. Uh, I I personally think you know Irmo is almost assured of a of a fourth place finish in the region. Uh, you really only have Lugolf Elgin and Sumter remaining. Um, you know, I don't I don't know that you they're going to be able to handle uh, Sumter, but they certainly could get a good look at, at Lugolf Elgin. And I think if they do, then uh, you know you could you could uh, finish as high as third in the region. But I think they're guaranteed a, a playoff uh, spot this year. And I don't want to. Uh, we got about four minutes left. I hate to cut you off, but I'm going to um, get back to this conversation so we can wrap the show up. But uh, good luck to Irmo uh, tomorrow night. I tell you what, you, when you go to Lugolf Elgin, their offense is not firing on all cylinders right now, but their defense is really good. Uh, Bill Bacon, former uh, Dreer head coach, is over there now as their defensive coordinator. He's done a great job. So we're going to have two very good defenses facing each other tomorrow night. Okay. How the, how, what do you think about their quarterback, Dylan Williams? I think Dylan, you know, Dylan's good. He's got some development to do, but I think he's a very good athlete, and um, I think that he's going to be good for Irmo, running the type of offense that they run. Um, it's, it's tough to jump in there as a sophomore in varsity competition and, and uh, especially in, in 5A with the competition you're facing. But I think Dylan's going to be fine. And uh, listen, right. again, appreciate appreciate your call, man, and uh, give us a Thank call you. next week. We'll be back on the air. Uh, hey, Richie. Uh, yeah, sir. And I, I tell you, with the, the, the board lit up with calls, and there's just no way we, you know, we'd be able to get, get to all of them because we're doing abbreviated show. Tonight really wasn't going to be – you know, a, a complete show. It was really uh, typically what I've done in the past, Richie, is do uh, a chat on Twitter. And we do sure. where people uh, 
send out questions with the hashtag AskSCVarsity, and we do the whole thing on Twitter by text. And I figured, you know what, why don't we do it live tonight because we've got a lot to talk about with this eight-quarter stuff and we can get these other coaches on. And, and so it turned out to be a, a pretty good show and um, loved having Zach Willis on and, and Coach Cribb and Matt Quinn, Rip Flippo, and getting a look at what these other states are doing. I think we've got some good things. I think of the ones that I, that, that I heard – I kind of like Georgia's six-quarter rule the best. Yeah, that's the one with a uh, – yeah, I, I think so as well. And, again, it, it, the problem that we have is that the bodies that will be there in Columbia at, at the high school league, they're kind of controlling this thing. So it, we've got to get them to at least be open-minded enough to look at what can be, what could we do. Uh, again, because high schools are taking a beating on Friday nights, but we don't have it. There, there is no getting an opportunity for your backup guy to get any time on the field if he can't go down to JV and play a little bit and then come back up and play some. And it's only like this, really, if you think about it, I think in football, because in baseball, they don't have all these implications. I'm not even sure in basketball if they do. But, uh, again, we've got to figure something out because the game is definitely taking a hit uh, on Friday night. Yeah, I think it is, too. Coach Cribb and I talked about that off the air earlier about the caliber of, of play in South Carolina. And he said, you know, you know, it, it's very noticeable, especially in the lower classifications. I was talking with a, a coach uh, last week who's um, one of the um, 1A coaches, and uh, we were talking about last season and, it, you know, in week five, six, seven of the season, trying to put together a poll, and I try to get the coaches to help me, and, and it's almost impossible at, to do a top ten uh, in that lower yeah. classification because once you get past three, four teams – I mean, it's a crapshoot. I mean, you got, you know, everybody, most, almost everybody's mediocre or five, 500 or less. And uh, it's just very difficult to, to do. But uh, anyway, I, I appreciate you joining me tonight, Richie. Um, next week, um, we will be back with the SC Varsity um, South Carolina High School Blitz show. It'll be a full two hour show. Uh, we'll have all our, you know, callers and guests on again next week. And um, I look forward to doing it. You're welcome to join us if you want to. Uh, Richie, and, and I look forward to coming back on your show uh, uh, next week and, and having some good discussions. Yeah, no doubt. I'm in, man. Anytime you need me, I'd love to be a part of it. Um, and and you, like I said, you're always going to be with me on Wednesdays uh, for, for an eight to nine. I'll give you, you know, the final, that, that, that last hour, it's a two hour show. So you'll hang out with me for the final hour. Heck, you can do the whole show with me on Wednesday if you want, but uh, <laughs> I'd love to be a part of it, man. You guys do, you do a great job. You've been around since 84, so you know what you're doing, buddy. Well, man, I appreciate it, and uh, we're going to back on out of here and, um, you know, get some things uh, on the board to, to talk about for tomorrow night. we got the scoreboard show tomorrow night, and then, uh, of course, I'll uh, see you again, uh, talk to you again next week. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, the show, South Carolina High School Blitz Show. joining us tonight all the callers all of the guests that we had on and i uh, look forward to seeing you guys next thursday nine o'clock right here